across the town of tribulation and straight on to Daring Do. Chapter 1 Tina, the tiny terror, would be in the corner of the playground telling everyone about the two weeks she had spent in her parents' timeshare in Tenerife. Middle-class Moira would top that with stories about her summer in the family villa in Barbados and all of the rich and famous people she had spotted. But Ginny Mac would be the most admired because she would have had two holidays, one with her mum and stepdad and another with her dad and stepmum. I was dreading the first day of term when my friends would ask, And where have you been, Meg? Last year, I'd just managed to impress them as I'd been to the Hay Festival with Ma. None of my friends had ever heard of it, but thought that going to a festival sounded quite a grown-up thing to do. I had met a few celebrities and was able to show them a book signed by the man who read the news on breakfast television. This year... There was no way that I would be able to make I spent the whole six weeks with my grandma sound the slightest bit exciting. Ma was due to start her treatment during the following week, so Aunt Hattie had arrived a few days before the end of term. She was an organiser by nature and had soon set about sorting my clothes into neat piles and packing them in the large red suitcase that we kept under the bed, just in case we ever had the opportunity to go somewhere exotic. I watched my aunt folding, rolling and smoothing t-shirts and trousers, pants and pyjamas. Satisfied with the result, she closed the case and announced, I could pack for England. I nodded, unsure of exactly what she meant, but certain that it was something to be proud of. Strange sayings run in our family, Mum had told me one day. Grandma had just that minute said that someone had a voice that was so shrill that it sounded like a gleed under the door. I'd look puzzled, as I had no idea what a gleed could be and what it would be doing under a door. Better not ask, Ma had said, and had just rolled her eyes and shook her head. So I never did ask, but instead tried to work out what Grandma and Aunt Hattie had meant when they said unusual things. Sometimes I got it right, but most of the time I got it wrong. As Aunt Hattie stood back to admire the packed case, I took a deep breath and plucked up the courage to ask... Do I have to go? I wouldn't be any trouble, and I could help you look after Ma. I know where everything in the house is, and... I tried to put on my most pleading voice, but my aunt said that I was just wheedling, whatever that might be. With a sigh, she moved the case onto the floor and then patted the space it had occupied on the bed. Come and sit next to me. I need to talk to you. I knew that they wanted me to go to Grandma's house because the treatment would probably make Ma very tired. But Aunt Hattie tried the trick that grown-ups always use when they want you to do something. She made me feel guilty. Since Grandad died at Christmas, she began, Grandma has been very lonely, you know. She's been looking forward to your staying with her so much. When I saw her last week, she showed me the new bed covers that she'd bought for the bed in the spare room. Lovely florals. Meg's too old for teddy bears now, she had said. 
I quietly folded my hands in my lap and looked down at them. I suppose I could go for a short time, perhaps a week or two, and then... Aunt Hattie took my hand and stroked it gently. I think you will need to stay for a little bit longer than that, she said reassuringly. And then added brightly, Besides, Grandma will bring you here every Friday for lunch. You like that, won't you? She always seemed unsure if she'd made herself clear, as she was not very good with children. I thought that her awkwardness came about because she'd been a child so long ago that she'd forgotten what it was like. I gulped hard, struggling to hold back the tears. I realised that there was no hope of persuading Ma or Aunt Hattie to change their minds, so I answered feebly, Yes, I suppose so. Besides, added Aunt Hattie, you'll get to see Grandma's mad cat. I managed a faint smile and had to agree that I was looking forward to seeing Dotty the little Bengal cat. On Saturday, we arrived at Grandma's house just before midday. Although it was less than an hour's drive from home, Ma's illness had made travelling difficult, and as Grandma did not drive very much any more, it had been a few months since my last visit. Grey Malkin Cottage stood on top of a hill, and as we got out of the car, I thought that if I tried very hard, I would probably be able to see my house on a clear day. I made up my mind that I would try to do that every morning until it was time to go home for good at the end of the summer holidays. I was deposited in the hallway along with my bags and Aunt Hattie made a speedy retreat. I was starting to feel sorry for myself and about to kick the red suitcase in revenge for it not having taken me anywhere exotic when Grandma thrust a picnic rug into my hands, collected a tray from the kitchen and went out into the garden. It was a warm day, so she told me to spread the rug on the grass under the apple tree where there was some shade. A plate of ham sandwiches, dishes of strawberries and cream and a big jug of homemade lemonade were laid in the centre of the rug. There was a sudden rustling in the bushes nearby, and out sprang a cat with the coat the colour of cinnamon. It was peppered all over with large nutmeg spots, and as she moved into the sunlight, her fur looked as if it had been sprinkled with golden glitter. She announced her arrival with a cry that was half bark and half chirp. Dotty, you fusspot, said Grandma as the cat rubbed against her, purring like a lawnmower. Lured by ham sandwiches, I think. I know this is just cupboard love. Cupboard love, I thought. Better not ask. She's beautiful, I said, and as if attracted by a fresh admirer, Dotty turned, excitedly swinging her long tail to and fro. With one swish, the jug was thrown into the air, and as we ran for cover from the lemonade shower, Dotty retreated into the bushes with a ham sandwich in her mouth. Mmm, said Grandma. I'm not sure about that. Handsome is as handsome does. Better not ask, I thought. The rest of the picnic continued undisturbed, and Dotty did not appear again until later in the afternoon. After Grandma had cleared away the remains of the meal and put the blanket in the washing machine, she said, Now, we'd better get to work in the garden. I did not share my grandmother's enthusiasm for this activity. 
What Grandma referred to as mini-beasts, I called creepy crawlies. And our first job did nothing to make me change my mind about the creatures that lived in the undergrowth. We'll start with the hostas, said Grandma. The slugs and snails have feasted on them this year. Seeing the look of horror in my face, she added, You can hold the bucket and I'll do the nasty part. The hostas had spade-shaped green leaves that seemed to be particularly attractive to slugs and snails. I held a large metal bucket while Grandma turned over leaf after leaf, searching out the offenders and dropping them into it, each snail falling to the bottom with a loud clang. I hoped that she wouldn't take too long, as one or two of the larger creatures were already starting to make their way up the side of the bucket. Look at my poor plant, said Grandma, just like Raggedy Ann. I didn't ask, but I was beginning to suspect that even my grandmother didn't know what half of her sayings meant. A loud chirp from behind the hostas signalled the return of Dotty. That cat is too clever, said Grandma. She knows what comes next. I looked puzzled and asked, what does come next? Grandma nodded towards the bucket. We take our little friends for a walk. And then turning to her cat, she said, And I suppose you can come too. She produced a small leash and harness from her pocket and slipped it onto Dotty, and off we set up the lane at the side of Grey Malkin Cottage. I held the leash and tried to keep pace with the cat, while my grandmother carried the mini-beasts. We stopped when we could just see the roof of the cottage in the distance, and Grandma tipped the slimy contents of the bucket into a ditch at the side of the lane. Snails will come back to your garden unless you take them far enough away, she explained. After prodding one or two of the slugs that were heading for cover with her paw and finding them just as disgusting as I did, Dotty was eager to carry on and charged off down the lane while I struggled to hold on to her leash. We followed the path into the shady part of the lane, where Grandma identified all of the small flowers in the hedgerows. I thought that their names sounded as unlikely as some of her sayings. Pennywort, Pimpernel, Toadflax and Catchfly, chanted Grandma in a sing-song voice, while I, racing ahead with the wind in my hair, called back as if completing a poem, and a cat called Dotty goes thundering by. As I lay in bed that night, I thought that staying at Grey Malkin Cottage would not be too bad after all. <laughs>